Hello there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Hello, this is Vidas Pinkavichus and uh, my wife, Osra Motuzaita Pinkavichina, from our music room. Um, and uh, this is a very special conversation because um, I was um, planning it for a long time um, and finally we're having it and very exciting. And uh, thank you so much, Osha, for doing this. You're very generous with your time and expertise. Welcome You're to welcome. the show. You're welcome. Great. And uh, the subject of today's talk is um, harmony for organists specifically because Osha is not only organist like myself, not only uh, she has a doctorate uh, in organ performance, but she is also a teacher um, of harmony, specifically harmony for um, high school level uh, kids in, in National Mikolaos Konstantinos Chulonis School of Art in Vilnius. Uh, that's where I teach too, but I, I teach mostly air training and music theory and OSHA uh, specializes more in harmony. This is more advanced subject and she's doing it uh, for 10 years now. Right? Yes, for 10 years. Yeah. So, but uh, for starters, OSHA, let's uh, uh, go back to the time uh, when you uh, first was were introduced to the organ. You remember the day when you heard the sounds of the organ, can you share the story why and how you became, you fell in love with the organ? Well, actually I was, uh, I think, seven years old when I first heard the organ, because in the Soviet times the organs were banned, like we were not allowed to go to church, but uh, around like 69, the first organ, the concert organ in Lithuania was installed and when when I was seven years old I traveled on the seashore with my parents to Nida, tiny village Nida on the seashore and there was an inaugurational organ recital and my parents took me and from what we told me that I couldn't breathe even how excited I was hearing that wonderful instrument for the first time in my life. And actually after that I never even imagined that I could be an organist, become an organist, but finally my dream came true. Great. Um, of course these childhood experience, uh, experiences last with us um, probably for a whole lifetime. and. Um, Probably this experience uh, was uh, instrumental, I would say, uh, when you um, were, you know, older and uh, got interested into the organ playing itself, right? Uh, yes. What led you or who inspired you to take uh, organ playing um, studies professionally? Actually, when I graduated from Chilonis Art School, the same school where I teach now, I didn't know if I want to go to study to the Academy of Music. I thought maybe I just go and study at the University of Vilnius and study history because history was the subject that interested me a lot. And 
I met one of the professors from the Lithuanian Academy of Music and he heard he was piano professor professor of piano and he heard how I'm playing piano and he told me no you just must enter the Academy of Music and well at that time I my speciality at the School of Music was actually choir conducting and I did not enjoy it a lot because it was hard for me to communicate with large choir and direct people. I wanted something more intimate mm -hmm. and he told me if you don't want to study choir conducting you can just you know, apply and study organ. So that's how I became organ student. Great. And uh, that's where we met, right? At yes. Lithuania Academy yes. of Music. I remember the first day I um, entered the organ recital hall and they, they had auditions, you know, like, like um, uh, auditions, uh, students were auditioning for entrance into the, into the academy and not many students were playing organ at the time, most of them. Uh, were playing piano, right? And you were playing, um, I think, uh, one of the piano sonatas by Grieg, right? Yes. At that time. So that's uh, our first uh, experiment, experience. Um, Sonata by Grieg in E minor. In E minor, right, the famous, the famous one. So great. And uh, then, of course, uh, came the studies. Uh, can you mention a, a few of your organ teachers as well? Well, mainly two of my mm -hmm. main teachers at the Academy of Music were Belis Vaitkus and Gediminas Kuklis. So I learned a lot from both of them in different styles, of course. Mm -hmm. I know they are very different people, yes, right? Yes, one gave me great professional skills and knowledge of organ, how, mm -hmm. how it must be played. And the second one at least gave me lots of performance freedom. And mm -hmm. actually, I think I could experience myself as a performer. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, this freedom is, is probably essential uh, as a you know grown-up artist, uh, for example, if you want to express yourself in creative ways, you probably want to to have a teacher uh, who um, who encourages uh, your responsibility, your total responsibility. Who who would be happy if if you would be you know um, you know free to argue with him or or her and experience experience with things um, which are risky a little bit, you know, take responsibility as an artist, basically. So I guess we both had the same teacher, um, Gediminas Viklis, uh, and uh, yes, I can also testify that uh, he he had this uh, this quality of, uh, of uh, teaching where he basically let his students do everything they wanted. And um, uh, that was one of the best, uh, of course, uh, sides of his teaching, of course. Sure. Of course, many people have pluses and minuses. He also had some something like that, but, but that's what we both remember most fondly about him. Great. Um, so, Osha, 
and then uh, we uh, we went to the states, right? Yes, sure. The first to, to Michigan University. The first probably to Sweden to, for well, yes, for two weeks to the summer academy mm -hmm. in Göteborg, Gothenburg. Yes, where we met what? Doctor Pamela Reuter Finstra, who our listeners are familiar with uh, from our podcast already. And uh, she is a great um, expert on, on, on improvisation as well as on the music of Bach. And um, so we were uh, sort of connected with her uh, for the, uh, from the beginning, right? Sure. And what happened next? Uh, we uh, we, we went, went to, to the, to, the Nebraska. to Eastern Michigan University yes, first, right? for two years, mm -hmm, yeah. For two years. And then, uh, of course, um, after we completed our second master's degree in in in, in Eastern Michigan University, we went to the University of Nebraska Lincoln. Then, of course, uh, you can tell us a story a little bit about uh, George Ritchie and Quentin Faulkner, and um, and uh, because this was a little different experience, right? Sure, it was probably the most exciting experience of our lives, at least mine, for sure. Because studying with George Ritchie for three years was the most wonderful thing that happened in my life. Because we had such a mutual and wonderful relationship during our classes, and really, he was an amazing teacher and actually human being. One of the really best that I have ever encountered. And Dr. Faulkner, of course, it was fun to study with him because I took like church music course and hymnology course. Mm -hmm. And we took another one course with him, like three courses, basically all based, all related to church music. I think that thought was like 20th century church mm -hmm. music. Right. And he was wonderful. He has a good sense of humor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he, of course, we both have wonderful wives. Quentin Faulkner has also an you know, organist wife, Mary Murrell. She also has a doctorate from University of Nebraska Lincoln. And uh, Mary Murrell, yes, right? Yes, Mary Murrell, yes. And then George's wife, Joy, she was professor for many years at the, the same university and taught in the classical English department. Mm -hmm. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, we're telling you this story because uh, we wanted you to know that uh, our, almost all of our former professors uh, in Lithuania and in the United States were very significant to our development as an organist and musicians and sure. artists in general. And probably we uh, we want to remember this this these studies with them very fondly and um, and they became lifelong friends, all of them, um, um, both from Lithuania, our colleagues and Boris Vaitkus and Gedimina Skviklis, and also and Pamela and George and Quentin, um, and and this is a wonderful, you know, uh, when we when we travel around the world and meet other people, uh, they sometimes uh, re remember the days that they also met either Pamela or George. Or Quentin, and um, and we get this connection with them. It's very special because we have to talk. We have lots of things in common. So uh, for for people who are listening to this, I I hope you will um, also 
treasure your current and future uh, teachers as well as possible as much as possible because later in, in life when you uh, go back in your uh, in your memory it's very it's very special to to remember uh, the special re uh, relationship and uh, and and be thankful for what you received f uh, in your study time right? and actually speaking about important people in our life i would like to mention another one that is Jean Biriand. Oh, yeah. Because he made a lot of influence on us, especially about understanding about historical organs and how to build nowadays a nice historical organ based on the historical style. And actually, if we talk about people we met at, in Lincoln, Jean Biriand was the first man who we met at actually at Rochester at the Eastman School of Music at one of the conferences. So he actually made big impact on us and this was one of the reasons why we chose for our doctoral studies to go to the University of Lincoln in Nebraska. Uh, of course, um, you mentioned Jean Bidian, the yes. great um, uh, organ builder of historically minded uh, organs uh, in the United States. Uh, he, he took the techniques from all European uh, schools, both from French, Dutch, uh, German, and others, Italians too. And uh, you probably remember him from our podcast too. And um, we have to remember the day uh, and time uh, when when we met him in Rochester because of this uh, Eroy conference, which was about the uh, Casparini organ, right, uh, which were about to begin this project, about to build the replica of uh, the organ uh, which now stands in uh, Vilnius uh, Holy Ghost Church, the Dominican Church, 18th century uh, Rococo style church with wonderful 1776 organ which was built uh, by Adam Gottlob Kasparini from East Prussia, from Königsberg. And, um, Osha, do you remember the day when you first um, uh, sat down on the bench of this instrument? Sure. I actually remember the day was quite it, well. Was it special? It was a very special day. I remember I played Bach's C minor prelude. This one. 5.46, yes. Sure, and it was actually, it amazed me, because all other organ I have tried before that was like practice organs, small organs, and nothing like this, and this was a real historical organ in the church with huge acoustics, and it was hard actually to play it, but it sounded so wonderful, that mm -hmm. I think I will never forget that first impression that instrument gave to me. And uh, um, was it one of the reasons you also became interested in Kasparini and his work? Because, uh, of course, what led you to, to write your dissertation about Kasparini? Sure. Yes, of course. Um, uh, we have to remind our listeners that Osha's DMA dissertation was about uh, Adam Gottlob Kasparini and his organs. Um, and um, she 
she, she basically collected all the information that was available at that time about uh, extant uh, and uh, not surviving instruments about uh, Yes, to Kasparin. that actually that many of his organs were destroyed and actually some of them were destroyed quite late. I believe it was like Second World War yes. when the Königsberg was bombed and so many instruments, not only his, but also including his instruments, were destroyed and, forever. And can you tell us a little bit uh, what you found um, in um, in one of the archives, uh, the the great and very special disposition of Yes, I think that's that the most probably important thing in my dissertation, what I found. The specification of the Altstadt, Altstadt in Königsberg, Organ, free manual organ, actually, that's probably the largest instrument mm -hmm. that Casparini built. Probably the only one, the free manual instrument that mm -hmm. Casparini built during his lifetime. And uh, actually, we thought that. Maybe there are a, few, a couple of others, but this is the largest. Yes, mm -hmm. this is the largest one. And we thought that the specification, because organ was destroyed and specification was lost, and actually. I was able to find it in the archive in, in Germany, in Münster. Mm -hmm. So this was the church called uh, Altstädtische Kirche, basically uh, Old Town Church, church. right? Yes. The, the, one of the suburbs of, uh, of uh, Königsberg at that time, which is, of course, uh, Kaliningrad now, uh, part of Russia. So, anyway, it's very interesting um, to remember those days. Uh, it's... As we are recording this, it's more than uh, ten years ago, right? And um, sure. and uh, lots of things happened. And uh, after the the our studies, we came back to to Lithuania, and we began to teach, right? And so sure. so we began to teach in um, in uh, in music theory department of National Cherlonis School of Art in Vilnius, and. Um, can you now uh, share a little bit of of uh, our, your experience uh, in teaching harmony? First of all, what kind of uh, grades are uh, you are teaching? What kind of classes? Well, this, these are high school kids. Like in the basically, school is based on twelve-year school system. Mm -hmm. So harmony, I teach from tenth to twelfth grade. For three last years, actually, and after that we take like graduation exams, and one of the exams is called like musicology exam, which consists of like all ear skill, like solfege, like we. Mm, we would probably call it air training. Air right? training, mm -hmm. yes, probably yes. That's how English called would call it, and then this harmony. English probably would call it keyboard harmony, because what we are dealing is based for keyboard harmony on the four-part harmonization. And then, of course, we take music history, Lithuanian music history and Western music history, how we call mm -hmm. it, and of course the analysis the, of composition. Mm -hmm. of this is a very high-level high, high level school, of course, nationally, um, na nationally accredited and uh, and uh, international as, as well known, and uh, our graduates, students who complete the studies, uh, can go freely uh, to study at any academy or conservatory uh, around the world, basically at, at the highest level. Mainly, 
because of our very advanced music theory department. Well, yes, that's true, but not everybody recognizes it because, mm -hmm. like, there are some 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 musicians at school who complain that you know in our department we require too much and that we can play well without harmony and air training. But I think that's not true. You know, this I, 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 I actually can prove it on my own experience because the being able to harmonize well and to understand musical language is a gift really, a real gift to the musician because it helps a lot for to learn musical text, to understand it, to see how the piece is put together. And even occasionally, if you lose the track of text or something, it helps you to improvise on harmonic progressions. Yeah, and um, of course, this is the long, long time battle between um, uh, people or let's say musicians who understand how the music is put together, understand the rules, and can even compose the pieces and create the music between them and the other group of, uh, let's say, performers who who are not interested into these diff uh, difficult and advanced subjects, into the scientific knowledge. They are mainly interested into the sound the piece uh, just made, right? makes, and they are interested into playing or performing, singing right? in a choir or solo pieces, or playing in the ensemble. And this, this um, uh, it's a long, hundred, uh, many hundreds of years battle between those two groups, right? Sure. And um, and I just think if people would get that knowledge and could use it, it would help them a lot. And I think that then we would just stop battling and start enjo enjoying what we are doing. Well, to put it very clearly, um, almost n almost nobody complains about the importance of harmony and music theory after they become proficient and uh, expert, become experts in this, you know. Uh, they only complain before get the, the special knowledge, because, be, before they put in hours, hundreds of hours and thousands of hours of practice, right? They, they, they complain because it's, let's, let's face it, it's difficult, right? Well, yes. it, it doesn't come naturally to people. Mm, well, for most of the people, to right? To some of them it comes. Uh, can comes, you remember yeah. the days when you were a student at a student at this school, right? Uh, how was uh, harmony personally for you? Actually, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I liked it, and my actually teachers still remember that I liked it, and that's probably one of the reasons why I'm teaching here because uh, it, it's not so easy to get to teach this subject at this school. But I I liked it actually, especially the. Playing exercises. Mm -hmm. Keyboard harmony. Keyboard harmony, yes. Uh, and let's 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 admit a little bit. Um, this is a little bit uh, uh, fault of our system, I, I would say, because um, keyboard harmony exercises, right, uh, like this. Right. These uh, sequences and progressions and uh, modulations, cadences. cadences they sound musical, they sound interesting, and uh, a person who can do this suddenly starts to feel great power in, yes. in, in, in his or her fingers, right? But um, we have another side of our teaching, um, 
four-part harmonization exercises done on paper with yes. pencil. And but actually, uh, I think this how the beginning should be. Mm-hmm. You know, you just learn like tonic, subdominant and dominant chords and try to connect them to learn the different ways of how the chords can be connected. And only then you can you know, try to do it on the instrument because it's harder to play it than to write it down. Mm-hmm. So what we do actually, firstly we write chords down, second we play them and then in like oral skills, oral or ear training courses, classes, we try to sing those chords. Well, wait, wait, wait a second. In air training classes, from what, from 10th grade, yes, from 10th they grade. start to sing harmonic progressions of chords in um, from the bass up, bass, tenor, alto, alto and, and soprano. soprano. Four-part harmony, they are singing one person, right? This is not a poly, poly, polyphonic exercise when four people sing together. Uh, well, sometimes they do, but but mostly people have to be able to to sing on their own these sure. four part chords, and this yeah, is and in the tenth grade we just sing cadences mm-hmm. with like main chords, and then we add more difficult chords like seven chords, and then on the eleventh grade we start to sing modulations. We start to modulate from one key to another. And it's, mm-hmm. it's actually hard. To think about voice leading and to to think each pitch right, mm-hmm. it's it's a challenge actually. And that's where sometimes we uh, we lose people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, lose the connection with people, and that's where they think, well, it's too difficult for us. It's not even useful, right, for a let's say violinist who plays in the orchestra, violin part, and is not interested into entire thing of harmony. And uh, why should uh, we bother them with such a, you know, scientific uh, uh, stuff about harmony? Well, he or she only wants to play in orchestras or play solos or ensembles, right? Well, that might be partially true for like playing the melodic instrument like flute or you know, oboe, violin. But I think it's extremely important for like fire conducting conductors than for pianists and of course for organists mm-hmm. that's for sure because if you would think about like church music and being church musician I think it's very important to understand the keyboard harmony and to have the skill to be able to transpose to play cadences because at the liturgy it's very useful because for example for like Lutherans or Catholics we never know how long the communion will take Oh, yeah. How long will you have to play? And it's extremely nice to have these skills to to be able to to you know to make cadence whenever you want, or you know to to add another period to what you are playing. Well, I know the story, but uh, our listeners don't. So, can you share a little bit of exp- your experience of being a church uh, organist as well, especially in the states? Um, what what kind of uh, harmony skills did you uh, find useful in your practical work when you were working at church? Well, actually, probably knowing cadences and sequences mm-hmm. because sequence is such a great tool. You can you know, make a piece of music from like one tiny motive just to be able to 
play it in different keys and then at the end, you know, to form a cadence. This, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's very useful. And of course, if you are working with choir, it's very good to be able to transpose into various keys because your choir cannot pro for example, in one day, we can just not stay in tune, it's too high for them, let's mm -hmm. say, the pitch is too high. Where are these like this? Then, for some reasons, I don't know, whatever or whatever. And when you just transpose the music, right, mm -hmm. we have step, for example, down. And like, for a person who understands the keyboard harmony well, it's really easy to do. Harmony skills that were very useful for church organist, right? Like transposition and uh, modulation and cadence playing in your work. And it doesn't mean that you just improvise. Uh, of course, you can play the piece of music, um, a church, for example, for the, like offering. And then you see that it's not, let's say, enough of that piece, you know. You miscalculate it and you need to play like for half a minute more, longer. Mm -hmm. So you just basically take that style, that pieces written and you add something. You improvise and of course your improvisation is based on the keyboard harmony mm -hmm. skills. So at, at your school, at uh, Chirionis National School of Art, uh, you are teaching these courses in, in harmony and uh, one of the assignments is to play probably a cadence, right? Yes. Can you, can you ex explain and demonstrate a little bit what kind of cadences there are and uh, what kind of things you play? We are sitting, by the way, on our organ bench in our music room, so uh, we will be playing shortly. So which cadence should I play? <laughs> uh, okay, let's pretend uh, am I, that I am your teacher and you're my student, right? For now, uh, which is not the case and uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually funny. Just don't just to play something hard. Okay, um, just something basic, let's say, let's say, C major, right? That people would understand C major. Um, could you play a cadence um, that you taught this week, for example, for 10 graders? Uh, or, or just uh, think something, play something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right? This is, this is specifically practical. Let's pretend she's, she doesn't know anything and she improvises now. And it will sound like improvisation, right? It's on the spot. We haven't rehearsed it. So. Actually, with my 10th students I just start start to learn the first inversion of the fifth chord so that's basically the sixth chord and now we know like tonic fifth and sixth chords then subdominant and dominant uh, by fifth chords we probably uh, make uh, uh, root position yes, chords. root position mm -hmm. chords yes it's, it's been a while while I talked English mm -hmm. on these subjects and then we know the cadential 4-6 chord. Mm -hmm. so second inversion chord, right? Yes, second inversion chord, but that one which is only used in the mm -hmm. cadences. In, of the tonic function. Tonic 6-4 chord in cadence. So basically if I want to play like a perfect cadence, mm -hmm. perfect strong cadence, I would have probably first of all to, um, to show the... Let me move a little bit, you can sit down at the, well, in the okay. middle. So that it's okay, I can do mm -hmm. it. So, if it's C major, I show the tonic key. C, E, G, C. Then I want to, to confirm the C major key. So I play tonic, then 
I show the dominant six chord. And the connection I use is the simple connection, it's harmonic, so-called harmonic progression when I keep the middle G key at the same position. Yeah, basically G note is common for both chords, Yes, right? so mm -hmm. I just keep it. And when in dominant chord you, chord you always have like uh, the 7th scale, degree. scale mm -hmm. de degree, so after that you always have to show the tonic again. So this, this dominant 6th chord and then tonic that. Now I need to, because I'm thinking already about cadence, so I need to have something from the subdominant chords. Because the subdominant chords, we prepare the tonic second inversion chord. So I play the subdominant sixth chord because now we are learning the sixth chord. And then I do tonic sixth chord. And of course, after this chord, always comes the dominant chord. And if we would be like a little bit older, I would play dominant 7 chord, but we don't know it yet, but I just add it just for mm -hmm. fun. And then I play tonic. Which is um, not full tonic, but has like 3 C notes and, and only one E note, we are missing the G note. Mm -hmm. So tonic chord with uh, triple root. It's common Without for the, the cadences, mm -hmm. for the end of the cadence. C, 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 E, right? Yes. So, and we would play this cadence, of course, first of all, we would write it down, then we would play it, we would play it in different keys, because you can do like a sequence out of, 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 of this, this cadence. Maybe I would shorten it a little bit, but, but I could play it in another key as well. Mm -hmm. For example, the... D flat major, or maybe it would be easier in D major. D major, okay. D major. With two sharps, yes? Yes. F and C. Add something when I demonstrate things, I always add some extra chords because mm -hmm. it sounds exciting and you know, students like it. Excellent, and this is the part uh, that they actually enjoy, right? Playing and listening to real life, uh, life excerpts of music, right? Sure, but we don't enjoy so much it playing themselves <laughs> by themselves. Ah, do you play for them as well so that they can enjoy it? Sure, or, or I play it for them a lot, or you just <laughs> ask them to demonstrate? No, of no, course, no, that no, would no. Be Cruel. Of course, first of all, I always play myself mm -hmm. because there are some sometimes students that think, oh no, I don't know if she could do it herself. So first of all, I always do things myself. Oh, they are you know, testing just, you, right? Uh, sure, of course. Testing uh, like your expertise, whether whether uh, they are better than the teacher <laughs> or not, right? Yes. That happens uh, for everybody probably who are just entering uh, uh, this new class, for example, every every fall, every September, and the new kids, uh, sometimes they don't know you well, and they they want to get get upper hand, right? So, sure. so they, but 
but luckily you get along uh, with almost everybody, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So basically we write things down, we harmonize like melodies, like hymn melodies, and when we play cadences, when we play three different kinds of sequences, and then of course uh, from the 11th grade we play modulations, which is already a little bit harder. We modulate from one key to another key. Mm -hmm. And first of all, our modulations is based on tonic being as a common chord for both different that, Well, that's keys. a great place to demonstrate, right? Can you demonstrate how to take this uh, uh, specific cadence that you played for us and turn it into a modulation so that you could end not in C major but in another key, alright? So, let's let's do it one more time. Okay, but maybe not with the cadence, I maybe play Something, Something a little else. bit more okay. mm -hmm. sophisticated. Great. This is just one of the, like many possibilities how you could play. You could play and use like various chords, like for example. And so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And you could end in any key you wish. Do you? I hope our listeners understand how practical this skill becomes for our organists, right? Uh, who are probably working at church and uh, trying to play something sure. for the prelude or uh, communion between the hymns, like interlude, to connect two keys which are probably related or even not related of one hymn on mm. and another hymn, right? And you have to, for example, modulate from C major to to a distant key, to sure. e, e flat major, for example. From this to this, right? This is advanced uh, version, right? Could you, could you say something what can be done from C major to E flat major, for example? Yes, but actually you have to use different chords. Different chords. Mm -hmm. These keys are um, like in a far, not in such a close relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. as, for example, C major and G major. You could do, of course, enharmonic modulations, and which harmonic. is very harder, but it gives you more possibilities. And also, you know, play just by playing like simple sequences, mm -hmm. it's very useful because you play them in all various keys and it helps you also to play a charge. Mm -hmm. So let's imagine one hymn ends in C major and another, for example, starts in, in, in uh, for example, um, let's say E major. Very different. But enharmonic modulation through the dominant seventh chord yes. is very you, easy to you play. Could do it. Let's, let's demonstrate it. It's very, very nice sounding, colorful sound, right? Here. We started in C major, right? And we are now in B major. And B major has what? Five 
sharps and C major has zero sharps, but through this dominant seventh chord of, sure, you of can C do major. It. But well, you are talking now about what we are learning when we, we are graduating the school. Oh, Just yeah. before graduation, this is one of the last subjects mm -hmm. we teach at the keyboard. This harmony. is not, not for beginners, sure, right? This sure. is not for even 10th graders, and not even for 11th And graders. actually not, not all the 12th. Mm -hmm. can get it and no learn it because it's already a sophisticated thing but there are easier things like playing sequences for example like diatonic sequence when you don't don't uh, re-enter the beginning key it's also very useful you repeat the same yes. motive over and over again in the same key, in the same key, just using the keys mm -hmm. of one of, of one key, or you could do it like transposing sequence also. At the giving interval, for yeah. example. And that's how you can uh, modulate from C major to E major easily sure. by playing this transposing sequence. Because if you start in C major, when you play in D major, the next mm -hmm. key would be E major. Well, in whole tones, in, in major seconds, up, up. Or if you want to mix like major and minor keys, you can play with like the sequence based on the relative keys. Mm -hmm. Like the keys of first relation would be having one flat or sharp more, or one or flat or sharp less than the beginning key. Let's say for a C major key, the relative keys would be D minor, E minor, F major, G major, A minor. Mm -hmm. And then we would return to the C major. So instead of playing just in major keys, you could do... endless possibilities yes and of course you can change meters sure change uh, starting uh, keys uh, you, you, literally you have thousands of possibilities to create uh, uh, short uh, eight measures or 12 or 16 measures preludes pieces, and yes. pieces and interludes for choice specifically which may or may not be related to the hymns itself they, they would sound very colorful very creative but not necessarily very difficult to perform. Plus also when you play like lots of modulations and sequences, it helps you to learn texts, musical texts, especially if uh, key, let's see, it's harder, like B major, for example, mm -hmm. or like playing Frank, for example, his chorales, when mm -hmm. the keys change so fast and sometimes it's even hard to understand how we are related. Actually, it really helps to knowing, to having this mm -hmm. harmonic keyboard skills. And for people who are not the church organist, for example, sure. just organist, sure. is it useful too? Sure. Why? Because as I told you, it's easier to learn text, for example. Mm -hmm. And if, let's say, you don't know harmony at all, maybe it will take you half an year to learn the piece of music. Mm -hmm. And if you have these skills and no harmony, it may take you, let's say, a month to learn the same piece. 
So it's it's truly useful. What what happens probably when you know the harmony, the chords, the chord progressions, right, under your fingers, in your head, and you look at the piece of music, difficult piece of music, let's say Cesar Frank's, you know, third chorale, second chorale, first chorale, any, anything uh, very advanced chromatic uh, harmony, right? And you look at it, and at first it's sort of uh, very... Uh, it's difficult to understand uh, harmonic language. It sounds beautiful, we admit sure. it, but we don't understand a thing, right? And we try to memorize uh, uh, positions of our fingers on the keys. That's it. Uh, basically, physical movements. But when, when you have skills of like uh, general modulations, when of harmonic modulations, when of course of major minor system, which is, I think, very important. Mm-hmm when talking about Frank's music. So it gives you just another prospect of things. Mm, major minor, where you can borrow yes, from one mode from... into another mode. And right? you can, for example, borrow... If you are in C major, you can borrow the C minor chords. But you can also be in C major and you borrow, can borrow like A parallel keys mm-hmm. chords, A minor chords. Oh, you mean that, for example, I play a piece of music in C major, but suddenly start to borrow chords which would be relative to C minor, like E flat major, sure. F uh, minor, right? A sure. flat major, these, sure. these really uh, uh, chromatic sounding chords, but they would sound quite colorful in C major as well, because they are related to C minor, you see? Even like, let's see, if you want to uh, trick people on the deceptive cadence if you do it simple way you could just play yes but if you could use the these borrow chords it will sound much more uh, much, much more, more unexpected colorful right? and much more mm-hmm. unexpected you finish domin- dominant seventh with six scale degree and suddenly you finish dominant seventh with Lowered six scale yes. degree, which is which is the chord from C minor taken, borrowed from C minor. That's how we do this, and how that's how Frank often did it, right? And I I think actually even such chords as Neapolitan six is is probably you know goes from the same system mm-hmm. because it sounds same in major and in minor. Which belongs to C major, but also to C minor. That's minor, yeah. Yes. Great. But you could also play major. Probably more sounds better in minor. For Wonderful. Me. So, Osha, I'm conscious of of your time and uh, your you're very generous with with your um, with sharing your ideas today. I hope uh, people will get so much out of this conversation. They they will get inspired to to take a deeper look at their harmony skills and to explore a little bit more this field on their own and um, to look at uh, real organ compositions with new eyes what kind of chords what kind of modulations happening right maybe they will notice some sequences that we talked about so uh, thank you so much osha and f- f- uh, before we end, could you um, uh, give us a little bit uh, uh, a link or a place where people can find you and your work online? 
Well, you can actually write it the Organ Duo. Mm -hmm. uh, our website, right? Yes. Organduo.lt. Yes, or you can write, email me mm -hmm. at my email address, mm -hmm. which is A-U-S-R-A-M-O-T-U-Z-E-I-T-E-P-I-N-K at uh, yahoo.com. Great, very long last name. Sure. But uh, of course, I will uh, put it everything into the description of this conversation and you will find everything in one place. So um, so it's, it will be easy. So organduo.lt is a place, uh, before it became a, a blog, uh, like uh, uh, Secrets of Organ Playing, this was designed as a website for our organ duet, right? Sure. Where we play with OSHA. So you will probably... Um, go there and find everything you need. So thank you so much, Osha, and I hope you will continue your work in organ um, in organ field and also harmony field. And um, after this conversation, I also hope you will get a few ideas of your own how to explore this field too. I hope so too. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you liked this conversation. I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavitus, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you online really soon.